inspirational podcast ministry of Bible Fellowship Church. Let's Talk is designed to give you some spiritual truth to consider every day, Monday through Friday. Isn't it interesting how you can read a passage of Scripture, the same passage you might have read many times before, only to find God showing you something you had never noticed? God's Word is like that. It's literally living and active so that it speaks to us exactly the way we need in the moment. This is just what happened recently as I was reading through the book of Joshua. Near the end of the book, after the account of the Israelites entering the promised land and dividing the territory for each of the tribes, we find the curious account of an altar, an altar of imposing size, the text says, being built on the shore of the Jordan River. The tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have settled in their allotted land on one side of the Jordan, followed by the people from the other tribes settling on the opposite side of the Jordan. And then in Joshua 22, we find the account of the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh building an altar that's visible to the people from the remaining tribes. This was so troubling to the people that they were ready to go to war against the ones who built the altar. In God's mercy, before war broke out, a delegation from the larger group was sent to those who built the altar. They came to confront them with what they assumed to be a breach of faith and a turning away from the Lord. The response they received is recorded in verses 21 through 29 and includes these words. Then the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh said in answer to the heads of the families of Israel, The Mighty One, God, the Lord, the Mighty One, God, the Lord, He knows, and let Israel itself know. If it was in rebellion or in breach of faith against the Lord, do not spare us today for building an altar to turn away from following the Lord. Or if we did so to offer burnt offerings or grain offerings or peace offerings on it, may the Lord Himself take vengeance. No, but we did it from fear that in time to come, your children might say to our children, What have you to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? And then in verse 29 it says, Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn away this day from following the Lord by building an altar for burnt offering, grain offering, or sacrifice other than the altar of the Lord our God that stands before His tabernacle. I've read those verses many times, but somehow this time I recognized a relevance to the message I had not noticed in previous readings. The people have finally reached the promised land, and right away they're at great risk of conflict because of what turns out to be a misunderstanding of motive. I can imagine that this message must have been received by the Israelites with great emotion because what was discovered was that both groups were actually passionate to follow the Lord. We find in verse 34 that once things were clarified, they could all agree that the altar should be called witness, for they said, it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. What a beautiful picture of unity among God's people. But what it took to get to this understanding is worth noting. What a difference it made to send the delegation to clarify the situation first instead of reacting to what was presumed to be a decision to turn away from the Lord. What was discovered was that far from being in opposition, both groups had a passion to follow God. In the end, the altar served as a reminder then 
and for the generations to come, that though their land was separated by a body of water, they were one people united by one true God. What a beautiful result, and what a wonderful lesson for us all. Unity was important to the Israelites then, and it's still important to us today. In fact, we find in John 17 that Jesus prayed for unity among his followers. In verse 21, Jesus prayed that they, referring to his present and future followers, may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The message sent to a watching world is loud and clear when believers can work together despite differing traditions and opinions over non-essential matters. Let's be clear, this is not promoting a blind acceptance of all, whether they accept the essentials of the faith or not. What is being promoted, in the words of F.B. Meyer, is an attitude among true believers that is forgiving and restoring, avoiding unkind comparisons and criticisms, remembering that the failure or success of one is that of all, and endeavoring to hasten the hour when the manifested oneness of the church shall compel the world to believe that the Father sent the Son. Those are weighty words, and also ones reflected in the prayer of Jesus in John 17. Let's follow the example of the delegation in Joshua 22 and be willing to do the hard work of listening and asking questions to understand the motives of other believers before jumping to conclusions that just might turn out to be wrong. Remember, Jesus prayed for unity among his followers so that the world would believe that he had been sent by the Father. What a message this sends to other believers, to a watching world, and to the generations after us, that the Lord is God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, just as you prayed, I also pray for unity in your body. May we be united in love for you and in the message that you alone are the one true God. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today for Let's Talk. Remember, come what may, unity in the body of Christ is a powerful message. 